0: His first run, and a good one. Williams outside, 15, keeps his feet, and Williams finds the end zone, and he is in for a touchdown. On second down, here's the toss. Here is Lucas. Jalen Lucas, that great speed, keeps his feet inside the 30. Lucas, 10, 5, touchdown,
1: Indiana. It's
0: Henderson cutting back and of the end zone. Touchdown, Hello everyone, welcome welcome to episode 190, 10 away from 200 of the Hoosier Happy Hour presented by Big Banter. If you're not familiar with Big Banter, Big Banter is a network of Big Ten podcasts covering football, basketball, and we have everyone in the Big Ten, and we have USC and Oregon, So if you're a Washington podcast, somehow listening to an IU podcast, come on down. Same with UCLA. I'm still looking to fill those roles, but uh, we're full swing into basketball season, but football never sleeps. Um, I'm your host, Brandon Dubich. You can find me at Brandon Dubich on Twitter. and We got a fun episode for you today. Um, Last year or last week, you heard Michael and Seth. Talking about the state of the union in regards to IU and the Big Ten. So, Mike's in uh, Hawaii, Seth's in Jamaica. I'm here in Indiana talking to our buddy Newman. Um, he does a football pick'em with me in college every Saturday. You can check us out on the Memory. Um, we're bringing back Sports Cap Radio, uh, but Newman. One name, like Cher, is going to give us kind of an outside perspective. Um, he is a Florida State fan living in ACC and SEC country. Newman, welcome to the pod.
1: Happy to be here. How's it going, Brandon?
0: Um, I don't know. When the football program stocks higher than the basketball program stock, probably not great. I mean, oh, yeah. that's pretty that's pretty typical for us in our parts. Uh, for sure. Uh, before we get into kind of the state of the union in the Big Ten, from the Newman perspective, I got a ho- I got some housekeeping that Michael will kill me if I don't cover. Guys, fire sale. Everyone and their mother is putting stuff on sale, called a semi-annual, called a flash sale. We're doing the same thing. Shirts are $10. All of the LEO shirts, $10. You get a free LEO sticker. Um, so ju- jump on to the LEO website. Um, I'm not sure if Michael has Hoosier Happy Hour um, yet, but the, uh, the link will be in the notes. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Happy Hour IUFB. We'll have the link in the bio. Last and not least, this interview will not be on Patreon, but we do have a Patreon, which is $3 a month. We plan on having potentially next year's quarterback, definitely some IU coaches. Um, you can get that content for $3 a month on our Patreon, and you also get 20% discount as soon, on a merch as soon as we get rid of our current merch. So, That's all the housekeeping. Let's get into stuff you guys want to hear about and that state of the Big Ten. Before we get into the outline, Newman, give me your general thoughts on kind of the new Big Ten, the schools that were added. So in terms of the schools that were added, I think that the Big Ten
1: did a pretty good job of grabbing some, some pretty valuable properties in Oregon, obviously, with their big branding and Nike money and all that stuff. And then USC and UCLA, the two big California schools that um, give you, you know, the Rose Bowl, then give you um, just some some really good properties in terms of championship caliber programs. Obviously, UCLA has won tons and tons of championships across all sports. Um, not so great in football recently, but USC obviously was has been a, the dominant program in the Pac-12 or Pac-10 pack eight, whatever pack they've been, uh, up pack until four
0: until recently.
1: Yeah. Up, up until joining the, um, the big 10 here. So, you know, some very valuable properties and some good ads. And then obviously Washington, you know, previously having won national championships, generally competitive in all your sports, uh, a good recruiting area in general. And, um, they just played in the national championship game. So, you know, the big 10 got to say that, you know, these are basically both big 10 teams here and yeah. that's, that's
0: always good for the brand. How how does that, the addition of those four teams, because I think you nailed it. I, I think it does raise the profile. Um, it makes it coast to coast. I think there's, I can't see any negatives. Um, how do you think adding those four schools, do you think that helps a program like IU, like Purdue, like Maryland? It helps in the sense that it will bring
1: more eyeballs to the Big Ten, and that means bigger paychecks for all of the members it hurts in terms of being competitive, especially on the football land front, because now you have, you've added four teams that are definitely slotting ahead of you. Um, so that's, I mean, just generally, we're going to look at it. Is there a possibility that Indiana could at some point, you know, overtake one of those schools or all those schools win a big 10 title? I mean, theoretically, but it's not very likely. Um, but in general, the money absolutely helps. The exposure to the West coast will help you with recruiting. Um so, yeah, there's, you know, there's there's definitely some benefits and can improve the stock of the of the program in general. You know, I'm sure most of you Indiana fans kind of like Kentucky would be very happy if you winning, you know, seven, eight games every year, going getting to go to a bowl game, hopefully in some place warm. And, uh, you know, it gives you something to do during the fall while
0: you're waiting for basketball season. Yeah, no, I I I think you nailed it there, too. It um, for me, I, what I've always said is it may it may lower the ceiling of a team like IU, right? Like IU was never going to win a big 10 when it was just Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan. Now it's really never going to win the big 10 when you add the likes of Washington, Oregon and and USC. Um, But I think it raises the floor because one, the schedule is going to get a lot lighter. I mean, again, um, I, the big 10 East in my mind was the toughest division in football. So you're, you're, your year-to-year schedule is going to get easier, that and then SEC like SEC you... West may beg to differ, but of course they would, of course they would. Um, but but yeah, I think I think playing an easier schedule and then more money, better recruits, more exposure, all the things you nailed upon. So, um, sounds like we're kind of on the same page as as the new Big Ten um slates for for IU. Um, let's jump outside of IU just just for a quick minute. Um, what did you think of of Michigan in in 2023? Um, the Big Ten got a rap for not winning a national championship for a good for for a long time? Do you think this last season Big Ten was a good or Michigan was a good uh, representation of the Big Ten? And do you think Big Ten kind of shook their uh, rap, I guess?
1: So I think that Michigan making to the national championship and winning a national championship is obviously very good for the Big Ten. They did it in a very Big Ten style. Michigan played, you know, really sound defense. They pounded the rock at a, at a high level. They didn't really throw the ball. In fact, there was games where uh, J.G. McCarthy had, you know, uh, one pass in the second half of a game that they won. So, yeah, th- they did it in a very um, Michigan brand, Big Ten brand style of way. They, you know, didn't recruit at the top level of um you know college football they didn't ever overtake Ohio State in that they developed so that's you know that that says a lot for that style of winning um <clears throat> so in general I think that you know that's all good for the big Ten Obviously you get the national championship you get the paycheck from making it to the college football playoff and the bump that you get uh for the conference in that respect and then in terms of Michigan like Michigan finally did it right they knocked off Ohio State multiple years. And then they finally got over the hump and won a national championship. The first one since a shared national championship in 1997 with Nebraska, back in your uh, you know, Tom Brady <laughs> slash Brian Greasy years right. with uh with <clears throat> with Charles Woodson winning the Heisman. Um, the last defensive player to win it still. So yeah, I mean it's been a while. That's you know, well over 20 years ago, and uh, it, it it was overdue for Michigan. So now it gives all of the Michigan uh, fans a lot of that they can brag about, which is bad for everyone else because they tend to be one, some of the uppity, up, uh, uppityest of oh, fan bases. Sure. So yeah. yeah, but that all being said, now having lost Jim Harbaugh and a lot of the players that were on that staff, plus the COVID year, we're losing most of the COVID super seniors it's going to be a little bit different sledding throughout the course and we'll, we'll see how it impacts college football, but with realignment and the expansion of the college football playoff um, and, you know, some of the big guns leaving the college football space in terms of coachings, I think it's going to spread out some of the talent. For And sure. that could make it more interesting in general for college football fans on the whole. So I am looking forward to the future here.
0: Oh man. Ohio state is just eating Michigan's recruits. Um, Florida state, can say the same thing about Alabama recruits I've never I think I think a flattening is is a great word uh for what's kind of happening um across the country right now um as my listeners know we have a we have a section called Brando's Rando's sometimes I get too excited and mm-hmm. I ask a question early which is I'm gonna do here because uh, you brought up Michigan's uh, fan base so um what would be the Michigan fan base of the ACC or the SEC? Um, I would say Duke is probably your
1: your best bet in re- in regards yeah. to that in terms of being uppity mm-hmm. because they, you know, not necessarily college football-wise, but just they look down upon everyone else. That's kind of just the way they are um, yeah. because, you know, Duke being a private school and all that stuff. So I would yeah. say that in regards to just being uppity and looking down on them, um, fan bases, it's it's very much so Duke. Not that we encounter a ton of Duke fans where yeah. I live, Um, or at least actual Duke alums. But um, yeah, that's probably the answer that I'd go with. If you wanted it in a respect of like teams that are actually successful in football. um, Yeah, I don't know that that's that's
0: really- So like Ohio State and Florida, I think are pretty similar, right? Um, Kind of more, I'm going to offend the Ohio State and Florida fans, but I don't care. Kind of more of a a Walmart-based attendance uh, or fan base. Um, a lot of not alumni. Um, you don't see yeah, that much from Florida's
1: Michigan. not in the ACC. The they're in the SEC that's Right, so, right. Um, but if we're just going regionally in terms yeah. of like, I like to look at Florida like the like the state of Florida as you know it's pretty much split into you know there's the big three right. You have yeah. your Miami and your Florida and your Florida State and Florida look, likes to look down on Florida State as the younger brother because uh Florida State start, started playing football like fifty years later even though they've had way more success uh, over that time frame that they've been playing football than Florida had. In fact, they won their national championship before Florida ever did. And uh, they've won the same amount of national championships and Heisman. So I don't know that Florida should be bragging about much at this point.
0: They're down um, bad. My, they're Miami, down. Florida's down bad.
1: Miami had a stretch in, you know, the late 80s and early 90s where they won five national championships in a row. So that kind of vaults them into that conversation. The thing is, there's lots of Miami fans down here because of the thuggery that is the you and all this stuff um that they did with that. And that so that gained them a lot of popularity and they still that still rides to some degree. Um, however, most people in the state of Florida that are Miami fans did not go to Miami. So there's that, and uh, I yeah, like the Big Ten doesn't
0: really have an, a Miami equivalent, like a little like Penn State with like their their 80s and 90s early 2000s success. Um, but that's that's about it where Penn State and Miami kind of compare. I
1: think Duke compares to Miami if you're looking at the state of North Carolina and the state of um, yeah Florida, right? So like UNC is very much so similar to Florida. And then they look down upon NC state and then NC state is, you know, more Florida state to look down upon school. That's also in it, except for Florida state's significantly more successful than NC state is, um, across the board. So, yeah, but Duke and Miami shared like the we're private school and we, you know, Mm -hmm. had our, had our runs of success a long time ago. Um, although Duke is, you know, they're still riding some of that success. So.
0: Yeah. When 15 year old Brandon, when he still wanted to be a sports broadcaster, I was going to go to Miami. I didn't, I wanted nothing to do with Syracuse. I wanted to go to Miami's media school. Um and then and then I decided against that. Uh but let's let's, st- let's get back to the Big 10 and let's talk about Penn State. Specifically Drew uh Alar here. Um or Aller. Is it Alar or Aller? I always thought it was Aller, but I'm not sure. Right. Honestly. Um so give me your thoughts on 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 him. Can he vault Penn State into um into the playoff next year, and, and they recently hired uh, Tom Allen, IU's previous head coach, as their defensive coordinator. Kind of give an outside opinion on, on the QB and, and Penn State in general.
1: Yeah, they also hired uh, Kansas's offensive coordinator, um, I think it's Kolnicki, uh okay. to be their offensive one. coordinator. I missed Replacing Mike Yerk- Yerkich. Um, I remember, actually, Marcus and I attended the Duke-Florida State game um, during the season and i had said to we we're we we're kind of following along what was going on with that ohio state penn state that was the same weekend mm-hmm. and i was like this is before they even lost to michigan i was like well listen if you're penn state and your offense isn't able to do enough when your defense is pitching an absolute shutout against ohio state to get you over the hump then this is not your offense coordinator of the future you need to get rid of them basically right now yep. uh and i mean although it you know they wait till the end of the season they they did come to the same conclusion if not now then when um they're definitely going to need to improve the talent at the wide receiver position I think the Drew Allar could be good we haven't quite seen him step up in a big moment yet right yeah. he was an elite prospect coming out and you know has all of that stuff but we haven't seen it in game and until we do I'm hesitant to say that he can do it but you know we ha- we saw something similar out of a guy like Joe Burrow right his first year as a starter at LSU, he didn't look like he was a guy that's ever going to amount to anything special. And then the next year takes this giant leap forward and boom. Uh, now he's, you know, a guy who's not only successful at the college level and one, you know, had the historic season that he did, but he's also significantly successful in the NFL, having taken the team to Super Bowl already. And just kind of annually being one of the guys that you talk about when you list your na- your names of top quarterbacks, right? Yep. Oh yeah. So, uh, it- Drew Lock definitely has all of the physical tools to get to that point. Absolutely, um, I we'll see if the offense coordinator hire is good and helps him develop. Kolnicki has a you know track record of being very successful, um, especially if you look at what Kansas did. They ran kind of a little bit of a funky style of offense, but they actually played to win and they took advantage of what their players could do well with Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean, um, keeping them you know in a lot of games and then and then you know winning a lot of those games over the last couple of years that they've been there. So it's going to be interesting, but I think that they should really be attacking the portal at the wide receiver position. And I haven't seen them doing that to this point.
0: No, no. Um, let's kind of talk uh, stocks here. Um, who wins more games in the next five seasons, Penn State or Michigan?
1: Ooh, um, you know, not, not knowing what the schedule is going to look like. Of I course. think Michigan's going to take a little bit of a step back. This I do year, too. Right. Do um, too. Obviously you're losing JJ McCarthy. That's a huge factor in that. I don't know who the quarterback is going to be next. I don't know if Michigan knows who the quarterback's going to be next or G is a guy who's dynamic. He can run around. He's kind of like a J Jay- Jalen Milrow esque player, but <clears throat> can he throw the ball, you know, do, they're losing Roman Wilson. What do they have looking, what are they looking at wide receiver wise? So it's, it'll be interesting to see how the recruiting ticks there for Michigan. Obviously you're losing a bunch of um, guys on the defensive end too, but they do keep, I think the two of their better defensive linemen. So their front should be decent uh, at worst. And Michigan's going to be able to run the ball and their offensive line is going to continue to be good. So you have some good aspects there. Penn state recruits with Right there, up there with Michigan and all the other schools, they're above the blue chip ratio. Their problem is that they have a head coach in James yes. Franklin who who consistently mismanages games. In fact, I would dare to say that James Franklin is basically just a longer tenured Mario Cristobal. That's exactly what Mario Cristobal is. And the thing is, when you have an elite recruiter, you always have a chance We look at a guy like Ed Orgeron, who's considered to be an elite recruiter, right? And what did he need to do? He just needed to find the right combination of coordinators, and then he gives them the clay, right? And they let the coordinators mold the clay, and then they have a chance at success. That's realistically Penn State's goal in terms of getting to national championship at this point, because James Franklin is not going to win you a game by giving you a margin as a head coach. So that being the case he needs to hire good coordinators and we've seen the cycle continue right they've hired i think 3 or 4 um offense coordinators over the course of the last 6 years i believe um including i think they took the guy from Minnesota right and then he went back to Minnesota they took um Jurchich from i think Boston college or maryland or something like that and then He was he's Maryland gone.
0: it was my it was my it was Maryland
1: and then now you bring in um Col so we'll see how he pans out defensively. I don't think that they would want to replace their defense coordinator, but Manny Diaz took the head coaching job at Duke, right? So now you have to bring in former head coach Tom Allen. We'll see what changes he makes to that defense. They have good players. They're gonna lose some of the key guys. I think like Chop Robinson's gone, but they still have, I think their best defensive players still sticking around because he has to. He's only um he's only he was only a sophomore this year, but he'll be gone after next season. So in terms of who I think is going to win. Going back to your question, circling back after all that, who I think is going to win (laughs) more games over the course of the next five years. I would probably lean Penn State because they have the recruiting chops and stuff. um, And right now they have a quarterback, whereas we don't necessarily see the same out of Michigan. And I'll take, since projecting five five years out is kind of hard to do anyway, I'll take the upfront wins and, and say that Penn State probably wins a few more games than Michigan, but probably not a lot more.
0: You and I were way off, by the way. You just came from Texas. He was the OC quarterback coach at Texas in 2020. Um, I don't know if if that was the year Herman got fired. I have no idea. I don't know why you would leave Texas to get a lateral job with Penn State, but I don't I don't care enough to look it up. Uh, um, Probably just paid him more. Could be it. So um, as kind of dovetailing this back into IU, IU hosts through or hosts Washington and Michigan at home. With those teams having new coaches, new rosters, does IU have any shot of upsetting either one of those teams in what I would call down years for both programs?
1: I would say they certainly have a chance to upset Washington. I don't think
0: that, or
1: it may not even be an upset by the time we get to that game. I don't know when they play. Because I, uh, Washington loses a ton, right? They lose their three wide receivers for the NFL, as well as their quarterback. They lose their offense or their head coach. They lose their offense coordinator. They lose um, their recruiting analyst. And Jed Fish is coming in there and he's not bringing, you know, the quarterback that he wanted. So we're going to see what Will Rogers can do. He's going to have to learn a new system, installing a new system with an entire new team, installing a new weight program, installing all that stuff. I think that that's going to be an issue for. Um, Washington I don't know exactly where they would compare in terms of recruiting to Indiana at this point but I know that Washington's recruiting was lagging even under Kalen DeBoer last year there was questions about what they're going to do because they're not they didn't seem to be capitalizing on that on the trail and turns out it doesn't really matter in terms of Kalen DeBoer but Washington is gonna kind of eat some of that. They're they're just not. They didn't recruit at a very high level. They didn't capitalize on what they could have done. And I think that Indiana has actually done a decent job here in the portal in terms of getting a lot of good players. I'm sure you can go in. You can and have gone into more detail on uh, what the transfer portal recruiting class is looking like. And then I think Signetti runs a pretty fun offense. He he gets a lot out of his guys. It's a home game for you. Washington's traveling. I don't know how far it is, but it's not super not close. close.
0: It's not close.
1: Yeah, so I I would lean all the advantages towards Indiana, and I would say that there is a chance that they can pull that upset for sure. Michigan, on the other hand, I I still think that their defense is going to be really good. It's going to keep them in a lot of games. I don't know what their offense is going to look like, but I'm sure it's going to involve a lot of running the ball, and especially if Orgy is playing quarterback, it may involve a lot of quarterback run, which can be difficult on a defense. For sure. I would What's, not give you as much of a chance to win that game.
0: Of, of course. Uh, and everyone knows they, th- they throw up the stat, um, you know, have beat Michigan once in the last 20 years. They, they, they like to say that a lot in the broadcasts. Yeah. Uh, um, let's stick with Michigan though. What did you think about the hire? Um, I wasn't a surprise for me. They stayed in house. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the right decision. Um, I, I think they should have maybe spread it out a little bit. gave let, let other coaches interview, um, But it was not surprising that they gave Moore uh, the job. I think
1: based on the timing at which Harbaugh eventually made his decision, right? I think it's it's kind of a slam dunk to hire Sharon Moore. He was the guy who'd been the coach, the interim coach during, you know, several of the games when Harbaugh was suspended throughout the course of the year. So you got a good look, right? Michigan has information on this guy. They know exactly what he's bringing to the table. And if they like what they see and they and they like what they've experienced to this point, you know, it's a natural move to maintain continuity with the recruiting class and the players that are already there. Right. If you bring in somebody from the outside, the studs that I was talking about on the defensive line, maybe they skip town, too. Right. So you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And I don't know that at this point in the hiring cycle that you really want to be looking for a head coach. So it's like, who are you going to go get? You know, a lot of the good candidates have already taken jobs. And that's why you don't have maybe as many options available to you.
0: Yeah, no, still... no, again, it, it made sense to me. Yeah. I would have cast a bigger net, but it, it made all the sense to the world. It was not a surprise but, to anyone here's, in, in Big here, Ten. Here country. is
1: the thing. You can then, if Sharon Moore is not successful, and in two and a half years or whatever, three years, you're looking at it and you're like, we've seen a significant dip. And the program is not heading in the right direction. We can wrap it. We can change course and we can say, well, listen, you know, the AD can pawn it off instead of getting fired. He can say, we won a national championship. We lost our head coach. We went with the next guy up, you know, he isn't the guy, but at that point in time, it made the most sense to do it. I should still be able to hire another head coach. So for job pet preservation, sir, um, this is, you know, it's the correct move out of the AD. Whereas if he hires a guy, and that guy from off the street, that guy doesn't do well. And let's say Sharon Moore goes into more success. Guess who's getting canned? Yep. So yeah, job, job preservation, it's the correct
0: tire. For sure. Um, let's 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 go to a coach that gets talked about a lot on this pod. <laughs> um, I, I won't I won't spoil what, what we say because I want to get your action first. Um, <laughs> but speaking of coaches in the Big Ten, um, give me your thoughts on Luke Fickle. Um, oh, bringing... I thought you
1: were gonna go. I thought you were gonna go Ryan Day first. Um, no, okay. no, no,
0: no. That's that's that's, that's a pretty easy one. Um, it's right, it's
1: yeah. right here on the outline. So yeah, but you got to <laughs> realize
0: when it, it my outline, I jump around like crazy. Um, which makes it tough for, for every single guest. Um, but it, it's yeah. my show. I'm gonna do what I want. Um, <laughs> so so Luke Fickle um does a 180 at Wisconsin the way they want to play the game. Um, I I think by Wisconsin standards they had a down year. What are your thoughts on on Luke Fickle at Wisconsin?
1: So I think that Luke Fickle does a lot of things well. We've seen what he did at Cincinnati where he took a program that was, you know, ha- having a dip in production from the, you know, with with the the highs that they did have, right? They have, you know, Jason Kelsey and 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 uh Travis Kelsey there and they were pretty damn successful under guys like Brian Kelly and Butch Jones. And then they went and hired, um, what's his name, the former Auburn coach um, that was at Texas Tech uh, and ran ran for Senate. I'm blanking on his name. Um, But he turned out to be a colossal failure, right? So, you know, you saw that dip and then you had to build the program back up, which Luke Fickle did and did and took him to highs that they've never been to before, right? Competing in the college football playoff. How he did that was by recruiting a lot and recruiting their type of players. I think he knows what he wants in terms of recruiting, and I think that that Wisconsin program is willing to invest in it. So I think that if Luke Fickle's not successful there at Wisconsin, it'll be because of a couple things. Uh, Something just goes bad, or they never really find a quarterback. Either one of those could absolutely sink them, but they're definitely throwing a lot of chips at different quarterbacks to see who's going to be the guy. Besides Tanner Mordecai, they also brought in um, Arnold, I believe or something from uh, Oklahoma, who, you know, was a guy who needed a little bit more time, but eventually they thought could be successful there. And I think that he'll also, you know, recruit some of his different quarterbacks. They found a quarterback in Desmond Ritter, and that le- leads you to success there. That's one of those things with college football. It kind of is a little bit of the great equalizer is if you can find a special quarterback, right? We saw that with Indiana when they had a guy by the name of Michael Penix playing. Remember them. him? They they had a little bit more success than you would normally see, right? It didn't matter that Ohio State out recruited the hell out of them; they were in there in that game. So that's that's what you'll see when you have a special quarterback. And for programs that are not necessarily recruiting at the very upper echelon, you absolutely have to find that difference maker at the quarterback position, and that will determine whether or not Luke Thicke was successful. In general, I would bet on him getting to that getting that program back up to the level that they expect, you know, 10 Wish wins a season, and then we will see where what happens in those other couple games that maybe make the difference.
0: See, that's why I'm having you on, because we think Luke Fickle's going to crash and burn um, outside of Ohio, because I think you did nail it. I think if he can get his quarterback, his system is going to work without a doubt, um, but outside of Ohio State, I think the Big Ten's biggest cr- critique is there hasn't been a quarterback. I mean outside of michael Penix and and now jj mccarthy like sean clifford wasn't was just a guy uh to his brother just a guy like th- there hasn't been a standout big 10 quarterback and luke fickle needs that right you what about grant mertz <laughs> right exactly don't get me started on peyton thorn um <laughs> so i mean i think i think your analysis hit But I I think think you could,
1: I think you could point to a couple others or like going back to Michigan state. I think that they actually had, had some success there, right? Brian Hoyer, um, Kirk cousins. They had some successful years there. Even if you look at Iowa, when Iowa was, was most successful when they had, you know, those undefeated seasons and stuff, they had a guy at quarterback, Brad Banks, um, Jim Sorge guys like that, you know, have, have littered the, the big 10 and, and, and been productive players at a lot of schools.
0: We'll see. We'll 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 resurface this I mean, in a few years Pur- Pur- and see. Purdue ha-
1: Purdue had a guy that was pretty good. Um yeah. he, a couple you know, Aiden O'Connell was was pretty good for them last year and he's playing in the NFL. So, you know, he produced a pretty good season out of Purdue. Did they where did Purdue finish last, last year when Aiden O'Connell was there? They win the Big Ten.
0: They they West. they won the Big Ten West and then yeah. and then actually made it a game against CJ Stroud in Ohio State. That was a right. surprisingly close game. And
1: then and then you can go back back in time to uh, a guy by the name of Drew Brees at Purdue, who was pretty successful, too. So, yeah, Yeah. special quarterbacks. They can raise the level of the entire team.
0: Yeah. So let's just jump to Ohio State. And Michael's not on. So because he would puke. I think Ohio State is going to be top three team in the country next year. Um, I think they are going to be really, really good. Um, So everyone wants to talk about Ryan Day. I don't think his seat is hot. What what do you think kind of being an outside of of the Big 10 and have you noticed what Ohio State's been doing um in the recruiting world? Yeah, I mean, they've absolutely gone out and gotten
1: all of the transfer portal recruits that they can get. Yeah. I don't remember who exactly. Do you know who they landed at quarterback though?
0: Uh yeah, um our dude from Kansas State. Um Howard Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, they well, got him right. to flip from
1: um, USC. Yeah. He's good. I don't know that he's great, but he doesn't have to be at Ohio State because they have. They're just absolutely loaded. So they, you know, this seems like it's one of those years where they're pushing all the chips into the table. Yep. And because of that, it is definitely. I expect Ohio State to be in it. I expect them to win the Big Ten. I expect them to go undefeated or maybe suffer only one loss um, throughout the course of the season and then play in the Big Ten championship game, win that game, and go to the college football playoff. Those are the expectations for Ohio State. If somehow Ohio State does not make it to the college football playoffs, even if they don't win the Big Ten, I think that that could point to real issues for Ryan Day. I don't expect that. I expect Ohio State being as loaded as they are unless they suffer some massive injuries defined at a couple you know, concentrated at positions then they should be just fine, and they should be able to, at minimum, make the playoff, even if they do not
0: win the Big Ten. Oh, so so their their schedule, they're out of conferences, Akron, Western Michigan, and Marshall. Okay, they, they better have, not the, lose any of those. <laughs> their only tough games, in my opinion, is at Oregon and at Penn State.
1: At Oregon's going to be tough. Um, who's Oregon's quarterback? That's but early, yeah, have, early uh, October. Early October, right? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's been they've they've lost previously going into Oregon. So that that'll be a fight. Dan Lanning, I think, he can really coach and he's got that program heading in a good direction. I don't like, I don't think that they're losing a lot to the NFL outside of Bo Nix. And uh, I think one of their receivers, Troy both teams should Nick be undefeated Franklin. going so, into
0: week seven. So that that'll probably be a night game. Good chance to be game day, if not game day, big noon Saturday. Yeah, right. Since well, they wouldn't put a West properties. Coast team on a big noon, right? Not not at nine am local time. That's insane. Mm-hmm. They could. I don't know. it's money. It is fuck. Uh, nothing has to make sense. but yeah <laughs> well that's that's a week seven battle um that that should be absolutely just amazing. Yeah. but yeah, no, I think I think I think they're gonna be absolutely loaded. Um, let's jump real quick on some other hires. Um, your thoughts on Jonathan Smith at MSU it's been crushed here in big 10 country, but I know you liked it when, when we originally originally talked about it.
1: I mean, I'm really high on Jonathan Smith. I think he's an excellent, um, coach. I think that if you look at what he did at Oregon state, Oregon state is a very difficult place to win. Very difficult. And he got them to the point where they're winning 10 plus games competing for the, you know, the PAC 12 title to some degree um, and knocking off the, you know, some of the biggest brands in that conference. He understands what it's like to play for, or to coach for the little school brother in your own state, right? At Oregon state and Oregon and Michigan state and Michigan. So, but the thing, and he, and he gives you a little bit of a scheme advantage. He does things, you know, fourth down percentages, stuff like that to win the games. Um, I talked about this with uh, Trevor and I think our buddy Trevor he said that he didn't like him and he was like, Oh, they've never had a defense. And I was like, well, they had a top 20 defense last year. So that's pretty damn good. You know, at org at Oregon state where they're not exactly loaded with recruits. So he's going to find a way. That's kind of what he does. I think it's a good hire for Michigan state. That's, that's a program that, you know, has expectations to compete for big 10 titles, but I don't necessarily know that they're going to be able to get over the hump unless they also find a special quarterback, Um, I see them similar to the, I see Wisconsin, but I love the hire of Jonathan Smith. I think it's a really good hire for Michigan state. I don't think that there was a lot of better coaches that they were going to find to take that job.
0: Yeah. All right. So um, just because let's, let's do quick grades, right? Um, More at Michigan. B plus. Uh, Fish at Washington. I think that's a B. Jonathan Smith. At MSU. I think that's a B plus. Signetti at IU. I think that's a B plus. B plus. All right. So yeah. let's let's go into a little bit, to shift gears here to IU before we let you talk about Florida State. That wouldn't be fair on my part if we didn't let you talk about Florida State, but let's talk about IU first. Um, first, I want to talk big picture. How does a school like Indiana University succeed in modern-day college football? So I think
1: that is very dependent on how we measure success, right? I mentioned if I was Indiana, I would be aiming for what Kentucky's football program is doing in terms of that is going to not going to make a lot
0: of people who listen happy, but I get what you're saying at a 30,000 foot level.
1: <laughs> Indiana is a basketball school. Everybody knows this. They've never competed for national championships in football. They've, you know, and they've been playing football for a long time, a lot longer than even Florida state has, but they're in a in an area where they're just never going to get the elite of elite recruits. That's not what they have. Unless, you know, Mark Cuban actually starts pumping in millions of dollars to that football program so that they can buy the best recruits. That's probably not going to happen, right? And the thing is, Mark Cuban has lots of things, lots of products that he can help pitch for if he wants to get some NIL deals to these players in, in terms of all of his Shark Tank investments. So it's not like it's not there, but... If you're looking at uh, Indiana from what a realistic point of view, winning eight games a year at Indiana, if you guys could win eight games a year, you get to go to a bowl game, that's success to me. Because, and then maybe in a special year where you have a bunch of seniors, senior heavy team, and you've got a little bit more of a special quarterback, is there a chance that you could, you know, pull some upsets and, and find a way to win a Big Ten championship? Yes. But that's what you should be gunning for, not we're going to win the national championship, we're going to win the Big Ten every year. That's not realistic at a place like Indiana, and anyone who thinks so is delusional, Uh, who thinks otherwise is delusional in that respect.
0: No, no, I I don't even say, I don't even, so you're, that's funny because uh, you probably don't see a lot of Indiana marketing, um, but nine win Indiana. (laughs) <laughs> um had has been something that uh that the twitterverse has been trying to will into existence. Um 8 wins is all we want. It's really funny that you landed on that number um because 9 win Indiana is uh has been has been going around the circuits for a few years. Um and I'll admit um when they made back-to-back bowls in Florida, that was a ton of fun. Um losing to Tennessee and Ole Miss wasn't great. Um especially the way they lost to both schools. Um, wasn't great, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're spot on with what success is. So how did they get that? Well, how how I, does, how does Indiana one
1: more thing in, in regards to that? Like we talked about Kentucky, Kentucky was, you know, has gotten to the point where they're on the precipice of winning their division. That'd be a first for Kentucky to win the the SEC East and, and you know, they're doing away with division, so that's not a possibility anymore. But making the conference championship game if for if you're Indiana, that's a great success. And Kentucky's gotten to the point where they're pretty close. The other thing Kentucky's done, they've had multiple ten win seasons, ten win seasons that's under crazy. <clears throat> under stoops there. So if you're telling me Indiana doesn't want ten win seasons like that's not good enough for them, then I don't know. I don't know how else to break it to you people. but
0: What do you mean, you people? (laughs) You Uh, Indiana fans, (laughs) of course, of course. So, so how does IU do it? Um, it's it's basketball. Nil is top five in the country. Yeah, it just is. Um, I believe Indiana football can get to top twenty five nil, but people aren't going to spend until they see it, right? I I think that's a big. I think it's a big reason that they that they hired Signetti because he wants to win now. He's 62 years old. He's not looking to get a bunch of freshmen and sophomores and develop them. He brought in 27 seniors or super seniors. He wants to win next year. And I think I think that's a really good level because IU has a huge fan base. There just has never been a reason to buy in. So I think, I mean, I, IU, IU football is never going to be top five, top 10, maybe not even top 20, but I think it can be 25 to 30 in NIL. And if you're 25 to 30 and on NIL, I think you can be a top 25, top to 30 team. Right. Yeah.
1: I think that that is true. If I was Indiana, how I would go about trying to, you know, optimize getting to the point of success. If you're Signetti, I think that the transfer portal is definitely a place where you're going to have to live. Right. You need to be recruiting, uh, you know, any good transfers that you can find, upper level players or quality players that are playing maybe at lower programs, MAC programs, and um, and and some any of those like P five or P six now conferences that you have with the Pac twelve kind of joining that or whatever's going to happen out there. Um, I think that you you know you take from those schools uh absolutely if you can and then you also hit the juco market right like the juco obviously indiana is pretty close to iowa iowa has some of the top programs that you're going to see kansas has some of the top programs that you're going to see so you need to be you know heavily invested in those juco programs and then you still need to find a way so the first couple years absolutely transfer classes are definitely going to be the way to go establish win find a way to win seven games next year or make a bowl game you know what i mean Get, get some of the fans' investment, get some of the backing of, you know, everyone. Maybe even if you have a special quarterback, you can win a few more. And then, and then sh- so show proof of concept on the field. This is kind of what Mike Norvell did. There was some talk of Mike Norvell, you know, can to recruit coming into this past season? Because he hadn't really done it at the, you know, they were living in the 18-20 range in recruiting at Florida State, which is, for Florida State, just not going to cut it. But what he right. was doing was he was hammering the portal. They were finding players that were undervalued um, by, you know, the ranking services, uh, guys who, you know, like Jared Verse, who hit gross spurts when they were in college um, and just became super studs or guys that they, you know, evaluated as being above-average prospects. And then they developed them. Jordan Travis had had trouble throwing against air at certain points when he was, uh you know, when Mike Norvell first showed up to campus. And he turned him into a Heisman candidate. So they did a really good job with that. You show proof of concept. If Frank Sinetti does that in Indiana, then you can start hammering the high school recruiting too. And then you can use, you can still use the portal to supplement where you're deficient at certain areas, but you've got to get that high school recruiting flowing a little bit. You've got to start taking from Cincinnati's school, you know, competing for, for, with them, um, Go to Cincinnati, like the general Cincinnati area and Ohio area, and because there's a bunch of good high schools up there, like St. Xavier and all that stuff, and try to get some of those recruits. Right, pull from as many as uh, you know any of those guys that you can't find, and then also continue to hit Florida as hard as you can because if you're especially with an NIL package, a lot of these kids will would be willing to go, especially if you can find kids. Although maybe they're not huge you know, targets of the big three or four, if UCF actually gets their act together and gets it going. <laughs> um, but you can still find speed, right? Yep. So a school like Appalachian State, how they pulled off an upset against Michigan is they just recruited the hell out of speed because you know what? You can't teach, it's speed. No, and no, you can't. If, if if I have a guy who might be 5'9", but he's hella fast, that can still play. And so you, you know, you get some of those guys, you, you increase the speed that you have, and then you kind of have to run a little bit of funky system, which Signetti already does there. So if he installs that properly, having something that makes it difficult for your opponent to prepare week in and week out when they have to play you, as opposed to the normal stuff is, gives you a little bit of advantage on Saturdays. So those would be the, the areas that I would absolutely hit for it. Uh, for that. So run kind of a little bit of a different unique system offensively and then you know absolutely you have to amp up the recruiting show proof of concept and then hit the high school recruiting as well.
0: Yep. No, I, I, absolutely. You hit, you hit it right on there. He's had the job for six weeks. Indiana has never landed a five-star recruit ever <laughs> in the history of the program. Has never landed it. In football. He, in football, of course. Yeah, you get multiple every year in basketball, but in football six weeks into the job. He has a five-star quarterback on campus, right? That's that's pretty exciting, you know. I, I don't I, think I, you're going to sign him. No chance in is, hell. The
1: fact that he's even showing up is uh, it's good because who knows? You never know, right? And here's the other thing: nowadays with the transfer portal, there is a prize for finishing second place. Sometimes yep. there used to be a saying where there's no prize for second place because once a kid signs with his favorite school, you know, all those hours that you invested in recruiting him. And all those resources that you invested in recruiting them, well, they're all lost. Well, nowadays, given the portal, if this five-star goes and he gets stuck behind another five-star or a four-star beats him out. Like if you look at Georgia where they had back-to-back three years in a row, they signed a five-star quarterback, right? Um, they signed uh, the kid from Washington, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Then they signed Jake Fromm. Then they signed Justin Fields, Right. And then Fromm wound up beating out Fields and and beating out the the other kid um, from Washington. And so it sent two five-star quarterbacks looking elsewhere because of the transfer portal. The transfer portal is a real thing. This five-star recruit, he goes somewhere. Maybe he doesn't start right away. He's like, you know what? I really enjoyed Indiana. They can hook me up with an NIL package. I can go there. That's, you know, being second place in recruiting isn't always the worst thing anymore.
0: No, not at all. Um, two more questions I have, and then we can we can briefly hit on Ohio or Florida State. Um, have you watched more, less, or an equal amount of IU since we became friends for about a half a decade so far?
1: I think I've definitely watched more, especially <laughs> IU football. Um, yeah, yeah, but also they've been better. So they they signed a kid out of Tampa Bay Tech, and that made the football program a little bit better for a few yes, years. They did. Yes, I did grown boy there. Um visiting up to in the into the Midwest and and then he went off and was really good some other places too.
0: There you go. Um last question, uh just because I mean you are Florida State grad, um, but you live in SEC country. Whose stock is better right now? The Big Ten or the SEC?
1: I think based on the fact that you had, you know, the national champion, I would give the edge to the Big Ten at this point. <clears throat> but I don't think that that's necessarily super like the, the two of those conferences are gonna going to be going battle um, for a long time. I think that it wouldn't hurt. Well, for- the SEC
0: has been above the Big Ten for years. I, yes. and if you if you yeah. asked that question 12 months ago, you would have been laughed at. Right. Right. Well, yeah, the SEC
1: had dominated, but yeah, no, the big 10 has gotten it in there. I think I would give slight edge to the big 10 right now coming off the national championship and adding the programs that they're about to add. Um, But the SEC is also adding some good programs, right? They're adding Texas and Oklahoma who've got some pretty damn good pedigree of football themselves as well as chances to compete for national champions championships in the future. So You're adding four, which I think gets you, you know, four quality programs, whereas they're only adding two. Um, But I think that puts you guys pretty damn close to even footing in terms of schools that we realistically think could win a national champion and schools that will compete for the playoff. So speaking
0: of speaking of schools competing for a national championship and a spot in the playoff, let's jump to Florida State. Uh, sure. and I think and I think the biggest question at least on an IU Big Ten pod is ooh, could Florida State soon be a part of the big Ten I think it's actually the that's the
1: landing spot in my opinion um Florida mm-hmm. has not or does cool. not want to allow Florida State into the uh the SEC and I also think that Florida State kind of would would much prefer kind of, Embracing what is the Big Ten and being a little bit of a rival and having that extra footprint there down in SEC country. What is, I mean, the Big Ten doesn't stretch to the SEC area realistically, and this would give them a heavy brand footing in that area. Let's be realistic. Florida State is one of the top brands in all of college football. They just are. When they're on TV, national TV, they're on it every year. They're going to have two national, the first two games of the season. Florida State, everyone's going to be watching them. They're playing at Georgia Tech. Uh, They're playing against Georgia Tech in Dublin, week zero. All eyes will be on that game. And then they're playing Monday night against Boston College, Labor Day weekend. All eyes are going to be on that game. Why? Because they're Florida State and they draw eyeballs. Then you look at some other games that they're going to play throughout the course of the the year. They're going to, you know, they're definitely going to have some more Miami, Florida, um, Clemson, all the big ones. And then we'll see what else happens kind of in terms of the other games that they play but um, they're a a valuable property. So for the Big Ten Conference, if you're going to continue to compete with SEC and Florida State's going to get out of this contract with the ACC, they've got to be a target for you because the amount of footprint increase that you're going to generate out of getting a school like Florida State, and then even if the other, think about the other schools that are probably valuable commodities in the ACC. Miami is not quite as good as Florida state. They don't have nearly the alumni that Florida state has. Um, You look at Clemson and you're like, well, I mean, is Clemson a valuable property or are they kind of a property that's only had an uptick now and is going to fall back down to earth? And they've already kind of started to do. Then you look at a school like UNC. Yes. That's valuable in terms of basketball, but is it valuable in terms of football? Not as much. Um, So, I mean, if you're looking from a football's perspective and football, let's be realistic. As much as college basketball is, you know, great and everyone loves it and it draws tons of viewers and viewership and eyeballs, especially come uh, tournament season in March, it does not hold the candle to college football in terms of ratings and driving revenue. So so if we're looking at the most valuable property in all of the ACC in terms of uh, driving eyeballs, I definitely think it's Florida State. So Florida State should be a target, and I think that the Big Ten makes the most sense for them.
0: Now so let's let's just talk high level right because uh, a lot of people ask this um when when USC and Oregon um does isn't the path to a national championship like didn't you just just create yourself a more difficult schedule couldn't Florida State stay in the ACC win it every year and get yourself in the top 12
1: yes but Um, there is a lot of things that factor into that, right? So for one, we've talked about it a lot, money matters, right? If you're a school and you belong to one of those two conferences right now, the SEC and the Big Ten, you're generating a lot more revenue because of what the contracts that you have laid out for you. Florida State is falling behind in that respect. Rutgers is is generating more revenue from their football entity than Florida State is because of purely the fact that they are in the Big Ten. Rutgers football. Yeah, that's not okay. From Florida State's perspective, in order to compete for national championships with the likes of, you know, the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Alabamas and the LSUs and the USC's and the Oregon's and all those schools that are doing it at the highest level, Florida State consistently, in order to compete at that level, has to get themselves into a power conference. Will you take maybe a few more losses regular season? Sure, but... If I'm Florida State playing in one of those, it's going to allow my my ability to recruit is going to be better. And then it's still Florida State. They have advantages geographically that a lot of schools don't have. They're really close to the southern area of Georgia, which they hammer uh, and they've been hammering under Mike Norvell. They have the entire state of Florida that they can pull from, including Miami. With Alabama, you know, losing Nick Saban, that may re- you know lessen the hold that Alabama has. On a lot of that because when Florida State, Florida and Miami were in their heydays in the 90s, they were, you know, nobody else was going into Florida recruiting. Now no. everyone is going into Florida and in recruiting. But the biggest stars have been going to Ohio State and Alabama for the last 10 years or so, right? And Georgia. Now, if Florida State being in the Big Ten or the SEC um, <clears throat> is able to keep more of those guys home. That's one gonna pull from those teams, right? The Ohio States and Alabamas and then and then two, it's just gonna level up what you're able to do on the field. The other thing is Florida State for Florida State fans, if you want, you know, buy in from the fanhood and you have games against Wake Forest, okay, I can drive there, I guess, but who cares? Do I am I really interested in going to sleepy Wake Forest for a football game? (laughs) Or would I rather go somewhere? In the big 10 or, you know, I mean, or the SEC camp camp
0: Randall or, or over to Carver Hawkeye or, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's even,
1: it would make a lot of those more fun. And then the other thing is the programs in those school, in those conferences are investing more money into sports and football. Wake Forest doesn't give a fuck if they're good at football realistically from a, from a monetary aspect. They just don't, they don't invest in the property. They don't invest in the school. The other schools in the Big Ten, that's why they're, you know, also-rans in the college football world. Florida State does not want to be an also-ran. They want to be a player at the table, and in order to do so, they have to go to a big-time school. And here's the thing. You could argue that there's a good chance that we don't see another undefeated national championship champion no. for a long time with no. the 12-team playoff. It's very likely because the thing is, now that – There is 12 teams that can get in. You don't have to always schedule cupcakes. You could actually schedule some of these more valuable properties for your um, out-of-conference games, knowing if you take a loss, it still may not kill you, and you can still get into the playoff, and it may make your team better even if you take a loss there. We've seen teams in the NFL lose games, and then use that information to go on and win Super Bowls, right? Like, we saw the Bucks get absolutely blown the doors off of them by Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill in Kansas City when they came down to Tampa, and then when they went and played in the Super Bowl, it was a different animal because they had the, the knowledge of having played them before, what they were going to do game plan-wise, and how they could slow it
0: down. That is what I think is the best thing about the 12-team playoff is exactly what you just said. Teams are going to have to prep themselves especially if they think they're going to be playing them later on in the season. Yeah, for sure. I think that's huge. Last question. I want to ask you on Florida state um, before we jump to our promo here, you said sec probably going to do everything in their power. And we know who in the sec is trying to do everything in their power to block them. If you had to choose Newman, you had three wishes and one of the wish was to get Florida State into a conference. Would you choose the SEC or the Big Ten?
1: I'd probably lean Big Ten at this point, but it's not. You know, it would be fun for me also to go to the bunch of the SEC schools, um, and and have opportunities to tailgate at all of their campuses. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be bad either way. But I would I would probably pick the Big Ten right now at this point because it's kind of nice to be able to stick it to florida from the other conference in the sec mm-hmm. um, that would that would be fun on my part yep
0: Awesome. Uh, Speaking of doing their part, let's uh, get to our promo, which all of our listeners know is Mo Non Track Club, our sponsor. MTC is Indiana's running brand built on a deep love for the sport and the Hoosier State. They craft products, tell stories, and create experiences that aim to celebrate, support, and add to Indiana's running culture. It is freezing, people. It is absolutely freezing outside. None of you None of you are outside running. Um, but what you can do to get ready for the season is use our 10% code, which is L E O 10 at checkout, to get your get their sick gear from shirts to hoodies to koozies, everything you need to get prepared for running season. Um, our link, the link for that will be in the show notes. Now let's get back to everyone's favorite part of the show, Randos, Rando's. And my first one, we will stick with college football. Uh, Newman, the college football game is coming out. How ex- were you in to the NCAA football games?
1: I enjoyed kind of the roster building of it all. Um, yeah. The the recruiting. I always like to, I I like to invest in a really good center. I think that that was an underrated position. Um if, you know, if you have a good center, that's definitely that's definitely an important thing. They make a lot of the calls, their their awareness, they set the the tone of the offensive line. So and, and they often tended to be under recruited. So that was my uh, my point of hitting. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the roster building a lot for sure.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited for what they're going to do with recruiting. It sounds like NIL There's is going to be NIL a... packages involved. Um, it, it sounds yeah. like the recruiting is going to be souped up, which it was also my like most fun thing. I love, I love taking a conference USA team um, or a MAC team and just making them into a powerhouse. That that was that was my favorite part um, of the NCAA football games. Um, but yeah, I I haven't played video games in forever. I'm not really a video game guy. When that game comes out, I will I will be front and center of um <laughs> uh of, of playing video games again. Um let's shift a little bit to something we've talked a lot about in the la in the most recent podcast is um how transfer portal season never ends. Do you like that there is basically transfer portal in season, transfer portal after season, transfer portal after spring, and then transfer portal in summer. Do you like those four windows, or would you like to see a little bit more regulation in regards to the transfer portal? I think for
1: coaches, it would be useful if it was cut down a little bit. Um yeah they complain about, you know, the lack of, you know, the, re- having to recruit your own roster constantly and all this stuff. um. So I absolutely think that they would be more interested, but I think from a player's perspective, they should be allowed to move and choose to move. And I think that based on the semester system, you know, I think that that should be allowed in terms of in season transfer portal really all you're seeing is guys that are either grad transfers or their coaches get fired those are what the stipulations are currently so there's not as many people that are being affected by that in terms of figuring out a way to push the I think realistically what they need to do is do something with the high school recruiting because high school recruiting and transfer portal season and bowl season and semester end um, all, you know, happening at the same time is really the biggest issue in terms of what's going on at the end of December and end of January. And then in terms of the 30 day window after your coach either gets fired or leaves to take another job, I think that that could probably be reduced down. I think that you could say that that's, um, you know, you have five days immediately after, uh, the coach gets fired or steps down and then you have five days once they install the new coach. Um, so that it's not open the whole time, those would be beneficial uh, to kind of reduce that a little bit. Um, and I, in general, I think thirty days is a lot. They don't, you, the kids don't need quite that much time to make their decision. They know if they're going to leave or not. But that being said, I do think that having the windows, you know, they should be able to leave at the end of the semester. Uh, at, and I mean, it makes the most sense, right? So it's like, oh, if a kid didn't want to leave after you know, the fall semester, maybe they thought that they were going to have a chance to m- move up a little bit in the spring and we'll see what happens after spring ball. And then after spring ball, they find out, Oh, you know, they recruited over me. They, they brought in the transfer portal guy and my spot on the depth chart didn't change or it went down. I want out now. I think they should be allowed to do that. Now. Could you put a limitation on the kids entering the transfer portal from the same school? Say, Hey, if you entered in the, in the, uh, winter and you didn't leave you're not allowed to enter in the spring maybe that might you know make it a little bit easier for the coaches but um they get paid so the and the kids are not getting paid by the schools so as far as i'm concerned the kids can you know should have all the opportunities
0: re-agency baby so i'm torn on the transfer portal um <laughs> you used to hate like... it you used to hate it so so here i <laughs> on a personal level i do hate it because i think it creates an unlevel playing field. But as someone who produces football, college football content year round, both with you and on this podcast, it does lead to constant discussion. So it it feeds the content machine um, for what I do here. But I, I do I do personally hate it. Um, let's jump I to the
1: ad- I think that there's a lot of uh, advantages for for the kids. It is good for the kids to have the ability to transfer. Um, and I think that they're even doing away with the multiple time transfer rules. They are so, yeah. so that creates a little bit more of a free agency. But if these kids have their name, image, and likeness, and you know, just like any other employee, even though they're not employees, which is probably what's going to happen to, to help you know calm down some of that transferring, is when they actually make them employees. But um, you know, they can sign one year NIL deals and go, you know bounce around wherever they want, wherever there's an opportunity for them to make the most money in the NIL and have an opportunity to play because at the end of the day, kids are want to play football. That's why they're signed up to do it. Right. Exactly. And if they're not getting the opportunity to play, go somewhere where they can. And I think that you do see kids go up and down as they see fit in order to do that. Sometimes both, right? Like a kid might transfer down because he wasn't getting an opportunity to bigger school, go to a smaller school or like a power five school or something from a big, from a, from or from a, um, a a power five to a G five school, yep. go down a level, show that you're actually really good, and then a, a bigger school comes calling and says, "Hey, we'll take you, and you can play right away here." So I think it works out best for the kids that way, and I think that sometimes the you know even some of the smaller schools will can afford and, and have taken advantage of that. If you look at your boy Frank Sinetti, he had a bunch of kids transferred down from bigger schools to his school. And that's how they got to have the success that they did. So yeah. it benefits everybody. Um, and at the, this point, the kids are the ones who've been, you know, the, the lack of beneficiaries for so long that it's about time.
0: So I, I do think you're spot on there. I, I wanted to go the entire pod without a, uh, well, actually, but his dad is for Frank Segnetti And his uh, son is Frank signet we got kurt signetti Oh, so man, whatever it, it it is it is you said it i think this is the second or third time you said frank yeah, and i I've was like it. i i i, I got to correct you on that one um let's jump to the nfl um i i know you you do a them. you're really good at picks pick the super bowl who you got chiefs 49ers what what line are you going to give me i'm giving you no line Give me a no um, line. Just
1: straight up, who I think can win the game. Straight up, yes. Um, I'm going to take the Niners. The reason I'm going to take the Niners is the same reason that the Ravens did not win the game. They did not run the ball. You had an opportunity against one of the worst rush defenses uh, throughout the course of the season, and they 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 ran the ball even well when they when they ran the ball. But um, I think that that's where you can really get the Chiefs. So I expect the 49ers to do whatever they can to kind of limit um, Travis Kelsey on terms of their, you know, their defense against the the Chiefs offense. I don't think the, the Chiefs are going to be able to run the ball all that effectively against uh, the 49ers. Um, unless they're expect, playing Chase Young. But I do you... I do expect uh, the 49ers to be able to run the ball. I expect a lot of Christian McCaffrey kind of taking advantage, using some Debo Samuel in the run game and pass game. Uh, and just all the weapons that they have. I think that they're kind of the better team at this respect. But uh, like we've talked about earlier, quarterback can be the great equalizer. So we'll see what Patrick Mahomes has up his sleeve. I would not be surprised if the Chiefs win this game. They're really good. They're, you know, obviously have, having already won two Super Bowls, and Andy Reid is, you know, one of the greatest play callers of all time. But Kyle Shanahan's right there on the other side, and he's he's pretty damn good play caller himself. So I think that I'm going to lean 49ers here for this one.
0: Yeah. So I, I know we'll probably cover this next week, but I wanted to cover it with you. For me, I'm going Chiefs because of three reasons. Two of Patrick, them are absolutely Patrick legit. Holmes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, I mean, who so I I re- I kind of look at three or three things. I look at who's got the better coach, advantage chiefs, who's got the who's got, advantage chiefs. Flight. Who's got the better quarterback? Chiefs. Chiefs. And who has the better defense? Uh, it's a push there. I, yeah. It's a push there. So give me two out of the three with better quarterback, better coach. And I do think it's a coin flip game. So when when I think you're, you're really splitting hairs, that's why I'd go with the Chiefs. And then I do think this is everyone's swan song. I think Andy Reid retires. Mm, I, think, I don't see that happening. I think Travis Kelsey retires. And then they have the power of Taylor Swift. Um, I, on this show, have been a self-proclaimed um, Swifty. That's not going to stop. So you give me those two very legitimate reasons why I think they win the game, and then you have the power of Reed retiring, Kelsey retiring, and the power of Swift. I think that's too much for the 49ers to overcome. What, what is Andy Reed going to do when he retires? I'd be
1: awesome. I don't have his own show. No, that guy wants to coach football. He's not retiring. Get out of here. Kelsey, Travis, Kelsey retiring. I think that's a higher probability. I think he's not retiring this year. I'm going to take the opposite side on that one because I think that it's more likely that Jason retires. And I don't necessarily know that they're going to retire at the same time. But as far as Travis is concerned, as long as he's got big red and Patrick Mahomes, you know, there's no reason for him to stop playing unless he really feels like he can't. And I think why can't he do another year like he just did this year? Also, I think that, you know, he had suffered a knee injury before the season that held him out of week one. Do you remember this? I a did. lot of people no. kind of forgot about that and they talked about, Oh, he doesn't have it anymore. Maybe it's just that he that's kind of lingered for him. So get that cleaned up in the off season, feel better come next year. And he, and he could absolutely give you another all pro season. So I don't think that we're done seeing the likes of Travis Kelsey and Andy Reed on the sideline
0: for the chiefs. I do. I think it's their swan song. I think everyone knows it. Also, no one knows how to lose. Also, what if they in lose? a big game like Shannon?
1: If they lose, are they coming back? If they lose, does they're that, all they're coming back. Change? Does that change? Yeah. Okay.
0: If, if if they lose, they're both coming back. But right. if they win, I do think it could be a swan song situation. Um, last but not least, this is not a basketball pod, but you're a college basketball fan. I'm a college basketball fan. Um, two questions. Do you are you with me that this is one of the worst talent we've seen in college basketball in a few years like it It just seems like there's no great players and no great teams i
1: mean absolutely i'm with you if you look at it they were you know so in the nba draft they project forward from you know the classes that they've had coming out of high school et cetera, et cetera. this is seen as one of the worst drafts in i don't know the last 15 20 years that we're yeah. seeing uh, a lot of that is the fact that there's just not a lot of great college players um, we've seen some drafts where there's been a lot of great college players like the Paolo Banchero, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren. And then we've seen great international drafts, right? Where you had um Victor Wemanyama coming in and stuff like that. This year there's just a darth of talent in across college basketball. Um, and that's kind of allows for some chaos. So I'm sure the tournament time will be fun because you know, who who knows in terms of picking brackets and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's not been Uh, as fun of a season to watch in terms of you know because there are no great star players
0: yeah they're all centers if you think about it i mean you got dickinson at kansas yeah you got Edie again at purdue you got clinging at uconn like there's star power but not star power in positions like wow positions
1: well the other thing with the centers is a lot of those guys aren't necessarily going to even be able to play at the next level because it's not that style of game. The college right. game compared to the NBA game, especially at the center positions is significantly different. And that's why you see a lot of guys who are talented centers in the, in the college basketball world, not make, not even making rosters in the NBA.
0: Yeah. Asher so, Shwebe, right. I mean, national I think, player of the I th- year. Doesn't I think even get he, drafted.
1: I, yeah. But I think he's on a roster and he's been playing a little bit, but Uh, mostly a G-League kind of guy because it's just not how centers played anymore. It's almost like, like I've heard them talk about this before the season. There's a strong belief that Paolo Banchero, although he's a power forward right now may eventually move to being a small ball center for the magic. And that may be the magic at their best. Once he fills out a little bit in a couple of years. So So look
0: at a small, I mean, again, uh, again, this is not a basketball pod. I know some of our listeners get annoyed. We talk a little too much basketball, but trace Jackson Davis small ball 5 he he has started a few games for golden state why he fits the perfect nba he he's 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 a rim runner he's a high flyer he's a blocking machine he he is what the modern day center is in the nba is, is trace jackson davis is paulo bancaro right i mean paulo bancaro's 10 times more talented than trace but that kind of mold is what nba's NBA teams are going towards at the center, but they're not going for the Klingens for the Dickinson's and the Edie's. Dickinson they, just they have a chance because he can shoot. Um, yeah. But I don't think Zach Edie's going to play in the NBA very long. No, no, not at all. All right, Newman. Thank you so much for, for jumping on um, guys. You can hear him and I on the Memory every Saturday during the college football season. Um, everyone else, be sure to check out, who's your happy hour pod on Twitter and threads at happy hour I U F B and make sure to follow our partner, big banter sports for all the latest updates involved involving our podcast, as well as the other top notch podcasts that cover all the other teams in this conference. Be sure to download, follow rate and review this pod and all of the other great pods on the big banter network until the- next time. Cheers Newman. It was fun. Have a good one.